As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Swansea first up for Gus Poyet and we'll be previewing the game as well as getting some insight from the Brighton end about what we've let ourselves in for. Is there room for him to manoeuvre in the Premier League? This is a Wise Men's Safe podcast. Tons of stuff to get through today then. We've got the Swansea game and we want to talk more about Gus Poyet. We will speak to Jabscore, who is the editor of a Brighton blog called Not All That and he's a journalist down that way as well. We're going to do that first because it'll give us a little bit of a, a platform to to speak about Poyer before we start getting into you know, ideal team selections and the like. I'm joined in the studio by Andy Dawson. Uh, I don't think I sufficiently introduced you enough last time, Andy. Yeah, uh, I think pe- people just thought you were some random loudmouth off Twitter where <coughs> I think yeah. it should be brought to people's attention that Andy writes for numerous media outlets, predominantly the Mirror and Sunday People, and he's also author of The Irish Uprising, How Kino and the Mighty Quinn Saved Sunderland. Also joined by Chris Weatherspoon from The Rock Report. And you mentioned that you've read that book, Chris. Is that right? I certainly have. Did I you enjoy it, Chris? Uh, well, yes. <laughs> You're standing right next to me, so I'm going to say yes. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Is the book still available, Andy? Uh, it's available on Amazon for um, one pence. <laughs> Plus postage. Yeah. Well, it all goes in your pocket, so... Um, we are joined. <laughs> how we many calories could you get with yeah. a penny before four thirty? Mm. That's the question. See, but people didn't hear our conversation before the mics went on. Now, so I know, but you've spoiled no, it. There's no context of the calorie comment. <laughs> yeah, but you've spoiled it now. Explain you've ruined the everything. Right. Okay. Well, Jab Score is um, <laughs> he's pushed for time, so we aren't going to keep much longer. He'll be sitting there wondering what the hell's going on. Jab Score. Um, st- get straight into it with the Gus Poyet situation. A lot of the things. Sunderland fans were worried about was he was going to come in with his new identity try and turn Sunderland into Brazil or into Swansea um, but he, he would struggle to do that with a side now he's been quick to stress that this is going to be a slow process so take us back to when he first took over at Brighton you were struggling down the bottom of League One I believe we oh, were yes now I'm assuming you didn't use to knock the ball about to great effect before he arrived how slow was the, tran- was the transition? Yeah, I mean it was almost immediate um, he came down the first game we played was away to Southampton they were doing very well in the absence of Palace they, they we'd sort of become a bit of a rivalry there Pompey were better than Southampton Palace were better than us so it was a it was probably the biggest game we had that season up to date 
Um, and he came in. He, he changed the formation around a bit, changed the captain. Um, we won three-one away, very unexpectedly, um, and it sort of went from there. Really, I mean, it was. He started with a four-four-two, um, more of a diamond. Um, he, he eventually ended up playing a four-three-three, which he he played every ninety minutes of every game. There was no there was no plan B there with Gus. Um, but yeah, I mean, his, his ideas almost came in. You you could see within two or three weeks what he was plan, planning to do there. A lot of fears just dropped when you mentioned he hasn't got a plan B there. We're going to get into that. So that's something Gareth mentioned on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that he, you've 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 got this horrendous record, haven't you? Where when you go behind in the game, he generally didn't turn them round. Yeah, it was we uh, the, our first game at the new stadium. Um, we we came from behind against Doncaster and scored the win in the 97th minute and that was two whole seasons ago now and it was against Bolton about two weeks ago that was the first time we'd come from behind since then so yeah it was uh, it wasn't a very welcome stat but in fairness to Gus we, we didn't often fall behind mm. under him so it was a, it wasn't like we were a terrible team and weren't coming from behind um, equally when we went in front we very rarely lost so there was, you know, there was a flip side to that stat. Right, those stats as well can be misleading as well. Mm. I think Gareth Cartner. Um but that's yeah. something you mentioned before. Are you still concerned with, it or you just think it's a, <clears throat> it's, it's a different situation entirely, isn't well, it? Well, I think that's the thing. Uh, that that's what I would say about it is, <clears throat> it, it it would be interesting to see if if uh, Brighton did get promoted, um, whether or not he would have done anything different. I mean, you're probably in a better position. Than, than me to comment on that. I'm, I'm not sure what you think about that, Jabs call. Um, I think, I mean, we were very close. Uh, a lot was made down here of the, the, the way we lost the second leg to Palace. I mean, they're our main rivals. It was an absolutely terrible performance. But up until then, we'd been on a pretty good run. I, I don't think he'd have changed things that drastically. I think the personnel would have changed. I think we'd have needed probably seven new players. Um, but I don't think he style would have. I think, if anything, it would have it would have got quicker. I think I think the the thing you notice, anyone who's maybe seen Brighton on the telly in the past few seasons under Gus, we were very slow and very methodical passing team. Um the new our new guys come in, Oscar Garcia, and he's trying to get them to play at a bit higher tempo and it's not going so well. So part of me thinks perhaps our our style under Gus was he he was constrained by what he had available. I think if he had better players we'd have played a higher tempo, we'd have got the ball forward a lot quicker. Um, but the players we had, I mean, you know, before he before he came here, they were just knocking balls into the channels. They were sudden, not going to suddenly start playing like Barcelona. That's interesting, Andy, isn't it? Because a lot of people here are saying, you know, we're worrying that Gus was going to try and slow things down probably too much. But if what Jabsko's saying there is he probably would have played with a higher intensity, he should be able to do that with the players he's got here straight away. Because Kevin Ball had them playing... At a, at, a, at a fast tempo, didn't he? Yeah, we have done the, uh, the games where ball's been in charge when 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 it's been going well for us. Um, you know, we've been playing at a higher tempo, so it, it's it's within the players to be able to do that. Um, obviously, Poyet hasn't had a great deal of time with all of them because the international break, but um, it remains to be seen what he can do with them in the short space of time he's had. It's going to be four three three, Chris, isn't it? I think. Um, it certainly looks that way. Yeah, I mean. By the sounds of, I mean, everything I've read about his time at Brighton and stuff, it does seem, I mean, like what we've just been saying, that's his preferred thing. And, I mean, going back to what you were just saying about Bolly, I mean, 4-3-3 was doing all right under him there. I mean, obviously, they were playing Liverpool and Manchester United, so we didn't get to see it too much. But you would like to think that, you know, against lesser sides, um, they might have some success with it. Mm-hmm. 
What was the name of the midfielder again? Jab score the centre. The, the, what's the, the defensive centre midfielder? Where everybody Brid- is Brid- Lee yeah. Bridcup. Is that going to be? Uh, is that going to be tailor made for Lee Catamol then? That role because um, that, that was an important role there, wasn't it? I, I would ima- I would imagine by January it will be tailor made for Liam Bridcup. Really? <laughs> um, I mean, when he could, we we used to have um, Radistin Kishishev, the old Charlton player. And he was the first one that Gus got playing in that position just in front of the back four. And everything goes through that player. Um, the, the ball comes out from the goalkeeper. It doesn't get kicked long. It gets rolled out. It gets put to his feet. He passes to the full-backs. And it all goes through that central player. Um, Kishishev got injured. And just by chance, really, someone from Chelsea rang up Gus and said, we've got this kid. We've just released him. He can't get a club. He'd had a few trials elsewhere. He couldn't get a t- club. Um Gus brought him down for a three-month trial and he won player of the year two years in a row and by by some distance. Um, I, from what I've seen of, of, of Sundon, Catamol, I think, would probably fit that, that role fairly well. Um, it, it does require quite a good range of passing, though. I mean, a lot of Bridcut's good play would be long, raking passes, you know, spreading the play. It's not all along the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would imagine of what they've got, that, that would be pretty key. But, I mean, Gus... Gus, when he was here, he was talking up Bridcut um, and said that if he was manager of Real Madrid, he'd sign him there. So I don't imagine it'll be too long before mm. the, uh, he comes looking for him. I think uh, on the subject of Cattermall, I think he, you know, he gets a bit of a bad reputation. That he is a decent passer, he, and that long ball that is something that he's actually pretty good at. Um, he spreads the play quite well, um, switches it, and sort of, you know, I think that's something he, he is capable of if he's given the opportunity. Um, like he seems to have come out of his shell since he came back into the team, cutting them all. Uh, in my opinion, I think playing with another two midfielders helps him. Yeah, I've got my three-man midfield thing already. <laughs> Andy, uh, I think the the underlying worry that we all have is Jabs was just said there that he the keeper the player from the back the keeper they knock the ball about. Nobody concedes comical goals like Sunderland. Is it a bit of a worry <laughs> that we're going to try and start knocking the ball about at the back? Um, I'm not too worried about that if we're going to start playing that way. I mean, never mind Catamol. I think Kane might play quite well in that role mm-hmm. because then he can just sit in front of the back four and yeah. not have to do any sort of tackling mm-hmm. a great deal. Um, but the, the the thing is, the goals that we can see tend to be from set pieces. So, mm-hmm. well, he, Gus Chris Gus has said that straight away he was gonna he was gonna tighten the defence up, and he has to do that first and foremost, doesn't he? That has to be the first the, the platform he builds. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the main thing is he needs to get a settled back four. I mean, under under the canopy, you didn't know who was going to be playing one week to the next, and I think um, he needs to sit down. He needs to decide who he wants to be in that back four, and he's just got to go with that. Mm-hmm. And you know, there might be teething problems, but they should get ironed out. Talking about the back four job score, what what were the full backs like? Did they get forward or what was defending the first priority? I mean, a, a lot of our defence improved drastically under Gus, and I think a lot of it it, it was down to uh, Tariko. Um, I know no, no what was friendly with a couple of the guys that played at the time when he first arrived, and they said Tariko was was superb with the defence. Um, what 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 tends to happen is that when the goalie will get the ball, the the centre backs will split almost to the the width of the penalty box and then the fullbacks push on and it, and that allows the I guess the catamol type to, to drop almost into a just almost into a back three but the, just to get the ball not to defend yeah. um, and we had we had one fullback who was who was solid at League One but wasn't wasn't great and another who was very good and the one who was very good played almost as a winger in some games right. um, the other one 
purely because he he was left a bit exposed by the four three three. Um, he wasn't expected to get forward so much. But as soon as we signed Bridge last season, that all changed, and both fullbacks were were almost playing where you would expect a a, a wide midfield player to play right. when we had the ball. Which is what the Canio one would try to go for as well, which he tried him. But we will have the extra player midfield. Well, like, yeah, which, the three which, in the middle yeah, gives you solidity. Of course, it should. Yeah. Well, uh, I think the, the thing, the thing that uh, the thing with Gus with his four-three-three, it, 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 it's a four-three-three in shape, but it, it, he doesn't play two wingers. He he won't play two wingers. He'll play one. Um, and all the time we had him, I think he he played. We had two fairly good wingers for that level. Um, I think in one season they played together once from the start. Um, it tended to be a, um, a main, I guess, a Fletcher type centre forward that you'd have, uh, maybe an outer door through the middle, um, very isolated, very much a lone striker, not not a part, not expected to be part of a double act. Um, one winger on the one side, and then the other one would be a, a. Well, ours was a striker because we didn't have a very good squad, but it was a striker whose main job was to to defend and give shape. So as soon as we lost the ball, he slotted back to make a, a midfield four. Um, even a midfield five at times. So although the fullbacks got forward very much, it was very on one side. It was to compensate for the fact that we we didn't have an attacking player on that side. So um, it certainly isn't as gung ho as perhaps it might sound. Well, that that leaves that that we're going to have a debate about that later then, because that's answered a few questions I was going to ask. Can Stephen Fletcher and Josie Altador play on the same side then? Because that four three three four five one system would imply that maybe they can't and. What you're seeing now sounds like Gareth Jacarini's probably going to be the one mm. who would sit, and Johnson, well, we, Johnson or Barini perhaps. Uh, we, our best form under under Gus came with Glenn Murray through the middle, who 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 left under fairly controversial. I'm going to ask you, I was going to ask you about that as well, yeah. <laughs> on a on a on a free transfer, that various rumours down here, um, his contract was allowed to to run down, and 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 we offered him a deal. He Palace offered him more, um, and it seemed that. That would that would perhaps probably be Gus's biggest mistake at the Albion. He let him go, and he was so central to the way we played. And we we didn't replace him for the best part of a year until we signed Ajoa mm-hmm. um, in January. Um, but that that centre forward who can who can hold the ball up, but also is mobile, has a bit of a swagger about them. I mean that that almost defined Poyet's t- Poyet's time here. Um, I'd say so that is probably the key position along with the defensive midfield slot. Um, but then we had we signed Craig McHale Smith for what for us was a lot of money at, at two and a half million, um, and he was the the the, the centre forward that would play on the last shoulder and almost more of a goal poacher, traditional goal poacher, and he got played out out on the out on the, the side. Um, so it, I think as long as the centre forward is has the work rate, I think they can probably you can probably fit two into that system. But mm. they have to be they have to be disciplined and they'd have to know their shape when they lost the ball. Um, I think that would be the key, and I, I don't know enough about Altador to to really comment on that. Well, it's interesting, Chris, that isn't it? Because Altador has got the work rate, but you couldn't imagine him being at home, stuck out there, could you? Doing that, doing that job? Um, no, not really. I mean, Barini, uh, Barini is the obvious one that's coming. I was going to say. Around. I mean, to be to be honest, um, I mean, I, I don't dislike Altador and what we've seen so far, but I do sometimes despair at how quickly his head seems to go down. And I would just imagine in a role like that, he would struggle to. Um, kind of keep his head up or sort of thing I think Barini from I mean what, what have we seen of him about half an hour maybe but from what we have seen him he does look much more like that sort of player and it wouldn't surprise us if he was quite heavily involved on Saturday So Fletcher's not quite fit yet Andy and Alador's going to play that lone role is it good that it's kind of going to give him an extra incentive if he thinks he's likely to lose his place then because he hasn't really had that threat has he so far 
Yeah, I think so. It, it's it's going to be an either or between Altidore and Fletcher. It's not going to be the two of them together. If if, if Gus is going to play the way that mm-hmm. that it sounds like he will, um, so it's you know Altidore is going to be it's a race against the clock for him to kind of. He needs a Premier League goal, doesn't he? You he can needs, you can see it in his body language, goal, can't yeah, you? Yeah, you just feel sense he's ready to explode, though, like because he's been so on. Look at the inside of the post and disallowed goals against yeah. Arsenal. So, but now he's gonna if this is going to be the way. We're going to play, like you say, he's, he's going to have to start taking his chance, isn't he? Start taking his chance. Well, I, I like the sound of the of the three up front with, with each of them with a different role. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like you said there, Gareth and Jack Arini is probably going to be the one that's going to have that kind of the free role and um, possibly Johnson as the wide man. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- with those two buzzing around, it, it could help Altidore to, to get the goal that he needs, hopefully. We could do with... Um could do starting on Saturday. Um, I mean, it's interesting with that front three. There's a lot of options there, isn't there? Like mm-hmm. this, this with the Brini there. I mean, I, th- I don't think Fletcher. Um, I don't think Fletcher would be that bad in a, in a three. I think he could. I think he could play in a three, and and he I'm could sure. he could play off out the door yeah. with mm. Jackarini and or. I think Jackarini has to play. I think he's been our best player by far um, this season, and uh, since he's gone into that position um, he certainly looked our best player sorry mm-hmm. um, he's a bit suspect on the wing um, but yeah that, he has to stay there because I think he will If I think he can get 10 goals 12 goals if he stays in around that front front man whoever it is this mm-hmm. season so I think he's vital so just before we let you go then um, Jab score I'll flip flip the centre forward thing around go to the other end of the pitch defence you know you said that Bridcott and the central midfield the defensive midfielder will be the one who comes gets the ball dictates player that said um, what were the centre halves likely to do when, did they see a lot of the ball in an offensive manner did they were they expected to pass the ball about because we've got a couple of centre halves who struggle to do that I, I mean almost almost everything started at the goalkeeper would go to the centre halves and then would go back up to the midfield and then when we would defend quite deeply, I mean, I'd, I'd imagine similar to if you watch Chelsea, the number of touches that say Terry would get on the ball. Um, none of them are particularly difficult passes, but he, if you look at the number of passes that someone would like him would make in a game, it is quite high. Um, neither would be expected to make defence splitting balls or even particularly elaborate ones, but they will be expected to get on the ball. Um, I know I was talking to Sunderland fan the other day that, that said they weren't too sure John O'Shea yeah, would be able to it's frightening the life out of me to be honest <laughs> <laughs> um, and all I would say is that we had a guy who played for us and we, and he, he was a local lad brilliant like wholehearted very committed defender but he struggled to get in and he, his touch wasn't very good um, he he came in Gus put him in the team and he, he was an absolute revelation and he went from someone that you thought couldn't you know couldn't trap a bag of cement to looking like an accomplished footballer and now he's in the Egypt squad you know I know they're not well beaters but he went from a guy that we thought was probably going to not make it in League One <laughs> his dad his dad's Egyptian and he went from a guy who, who looked like he was going to probably be released from League One to I mean until we brought ups and in our season he he was a, a real real mainstay of our defence and, and he did work on that I mean the one thing that that I think I would say is that in the early days we weren't used to the sort of football that Gus plays I mean a lot less so than perhaps you guys would be you know we were a struggling team we weren't doing very well even though we were it wasn't playing football it was a good work ethic and you know 
getting the ball forward. Um, and in the early few weeks, there, there was there was a, quite a few dissenting voices. You know, a lot of people. We played it at Withdean, and it was a, it was a horrible little ground. You could hear everything from the, from the manager's bench that the fans were shouting. And there was a couple of times when it looked like Gus might might throw his toys out the pram and. You know, people were booing. People were saying, "Get it forward." Mm. And one, one, one post match, he said, "If people don't like it, I'll go and play golf instead." <laughs> um, and he said, "But just trust me." Um, and I know one of the coaches, who Charlie Oatway, who's come up to you guys now. Um, I interviewed him last year at work, and he was saying that in the first two or three weeks at Brighton, he said to Gus, "You're absolutely, you're absolutely bonkers. This, this won't work. You can't do this with League One footballers." Um, and he did. So, I think you know you. You need to stick with them, and I, I don't know whether it's too pressure. The mm. Premier League coming down when you, you guys are down the bottom, people less, necessarily less, will have that time. It's less forgiven, isn't it, to, to try and implement your ideas? Do, 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 before we let you go, is you, what's your gut instinct? Instinct? Do you think you'll be a success here, or do you think it's I, it's a bit too much? I was talking to someone a, a couple of months back when he left us, and he left under a cloud, and, and no one really knows what happened. I mean, there's a, a lot of Brighton fans have given him stick, and it won't ever come out so it's very difficult I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about the off the pitch side of things I think people have been a bit quick to liken him to the Canio and having having sort of you know come across him a few times he he's very much not like the Canio um, the players will love him you know so they'll they'll buy into it hopefully um, but we all thought all along that he would suit a North East side um, he's very ambitious I mean he's the sort of guy that he will captivate a whole a whole to the captivated the city here. Brighton was a t- was a city that that wasn't in love with football anymore. We were getting crowds of six thousand. Um, we're now getting twenty six, twenty seven thousand. And although the new ground had a big part to play, a lot of it was Gus because he was just this talismanic talismanic figure that that just got people talking about the album. And he got a buzz around the city, you know. Um, and I think he'll suit one of the North East sides because I think. The, the partisan sort of nature that he wanted here is probably more natural to you guys mm-hmm. um, and I think he'll, he'll come in he'll get the players will buy into it they'll like him um, and I think if he's given time then then I think he will be a success I mean you do have to put up with him talking about the, you know, down here every other, every other week it was Sky coming down asking about Chelsea asking about Spurs asking about whatever I think, um, I, think it'll be warned, I think it'll be being warned against doing that up here I'm not sure you can you, you can get away well, with that up here but, he, um, had, no, he had a deal with it, the things down here where he, basically part of his agreement with the club was that he could say whatever he liked to whoever he liked and I think he came back to bite them on the arse a little doesn't bit doesn't work like that up here I'm afraid it's like, um, a, good, it's like a goldfish ball but I just want to before I let you go Andy Rejuvenating a the city. There's another book in this for you, isn't there? It could be. Yeah, I was going to do a Decanio <laughs> one, but we didn't get enough material for a book in the end. It'll be a pamphlet. <laughs> okay. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Jab Score. No, but no. Good luck this season. Take okay. care. Thanks, mate. Tell you what, I'm petrified about this John O'Shea thing. Andy, tell me it's going to be all right, John O'Shea it's on the ball. It's going to be all right. John O'Shea will um, he'll be restricted to sideways passes, ball retention, just keeping the thing flowing. He'll not have to do anything complicated. <laughs> It'll be absolutely fine. The, the lad's going to grow in stature mm. even more. I think one way, I suppose, one way of looking at it, Chris, is what one. One thing when people always say, "How oh, do this lad play for Man United and the like?" Especially for when he played fullback for a lot, um, a long time. But 
he had better players coming for the ball and Adam when he was playing Manchester United likes of scores and that but at least if he's got midfielders going to come back asking for the ball that should be as, as close to that as we can get isn't it yeah I mean I, I think O'Shea gets a bit of a bad rap I, I think um, he's not getting any younger which we've, we've seen this season especially down at Crystal Palace same age as me what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no comment um, but anyway he's um, you know I think for the most part, he's quite solid. It's just when he does make a mistake, it seems to be quite a glaring one. And I think Andy's right when he says he's not. They're not going to be giving him the ball and expecting him to do uh, anything particularly creative mm. with it. I think it's going to be kept quite simple. Uh, it'll just be a case of how much he gets shouted at by the fans when he goes backwards. But we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Mm. Not convinced. Jonathan Wilson Gareth made the point last week that Poyet almost doesn't have to worry about changing the side too much as we don't have a structure or an identity. <laughs> um, but you know that said he can't change the, he's not going to change things too much is he from the last game he's going to I would imagine set things up the way a ball had them set up and just take it from there isn't he minimal well, changes well, you'd, you'd imagine so um, could be interesting to see if he moves uh, Callback into the middle to replace Key I think that might be something he might be tempted to do because Desain is available mm. now and he's a left back isn't he so it's a game to throw him in though isn't it a way game that's what he's there for he's left back we bought him he's a left back he's a left wing back though, isn't well, he? I think he's an attacking player that's but you know that's his. That's what we've got that's as close a thing we've got to a left back I mean he's closer to a left back than John O'Shea <laughs> I mean from, uh, from Jack Callback um, mm. Or both, because John O'Shea's played uh, full-back. Put him at left-back, see what happens. Well, if, if, <laughs> if Dossian is comfortable in going forward, and he's more of a wing-back than a, a than a full-back, then that might fit into the system that uh, Jagsport was, was talking about at yeah. Brighton, where one of the full-backs pushes on, mm-hmm. and on the other flank... And Callback would be the man to cover him as well, wouldn't he, in midfield? Then yeah. he, would be, he would be the man to cover so him as well. It could be a blessing in disguise. And we, need, we need a reaction from Poyet, don't we, Poyet? Don't we, Chris? Because normally managers come in, even Decanio come in one, two games early on, um, with a derby looming as well. He needs to get off to a good start. We, do you almost sense that we need something from Saturday? Is the performance good enough? Do we need points on the board? Um, I think it is. I mean, it sounds ridiculous that we're only seven games into the season, but it's that kind of thing where, yeah, there's enough points to go out and get, but we're slowly going to we're going to end up so far behind that every game is going to be massive pressure, just trying to play a catch up. Uh, that said, I, I mean, obviously you want to go out and get three points, but I don't think a, a point at the weekend would be the worst thing in the world. No, no, Spe- point, especially yeah. better than getting beat for once. But um, I don't know. I, th- I, I hope for Poyet's sake, Poyet rather, <laughs> to get that wrong all the way through this. Uh, I hope for his sake that whatever happens in the derby, he is, there isn't too much kind of stake put in it. You know, like mm. it's Southern really, fans were talking about here. Yeah, well, exactly. That's what I mean. We know, we know how bad we should know how bad we are at this thing, man. You know, and it's uh, it's typical that the one time we get a bloke who can win one, he turns out to be a lunatic. So um, <laughs> we'll just have to. I don't know. I think hopefully, but uh, this being Sunderland, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> I mean, the Canio I've just mentioned that Gareth made initial impact. Martin O'Neill did as well. Um, do you think the fact that Kevin Ball wasn't a permanent manager, there was any difference in that or not? Or do, do, do you think, are you expecting another reaction from the players? It's like another shot in the arm, isn't it? Um, two quick ones in succession. Can you get that from the players? Um, I, I don't really think there was any bounce from the, the Ball appointment because I think it was just, um, you know, it, it was interim. So I, 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 you did get that impression, didn't you, that there wasn't that intensity there. Mm. I mean, he's been around the club. I mean, Poyet made a, Poyet made a comment so that um, he... When he came in, there was people who 
weren't fit apparently who were all of a sudden really wanted to train so maybe he wouldn't have got that with Ball um, if he was permanent I don't know um, but I think you'll you would you, hopefully get that bounce um, from from Poyet and I think that we probably wouldn't have got that if Ball had taken permanent charge after being the interim but it's conjecture and you don't know going to be a lot less sympathy on the players now Andy isn't it because they, they have you know in essentially they've they've managed to topple the Canio so to speak they now have played a couple of games albeit against Liverpool and Manchester United but they haven't um, they haven't picked up another point the bottom of the league now it's it's time for them to start performing isn't it the, 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 the squad is good enough on paper isn't it it is there's, there's you know I think we're still probably two or three players away from where we want to be which might happen in January but the there should be enough there in the squad to be able to put a team together that can get out of this mess that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Poyot has he's, he's kind of got this reputation as a, a players manager almost, so that hopefully the players will respond to him, and um, we can we can kick on from here. And like you said, a point at Swansea wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. No. In fact, that would be fantastic for me. Good way, to, good way good, to start, good, wouldn't it? Good foundation, yeah. Are we thinking then? It's a bit of a shame to sort of break up this triumvirate in midfield. <laughs> of, um, yeah, that's a quality word, isn't it? Uh, Gardner, Catamol Key, because Key can't play. Now, we are going to get some Swansea input just now, but initially you've just said you, you might like Colbert to come in, Andy. Is that, is that the way you would go? Um, I think Because you've got Larson as well. You've, probably, you've yeah. It, it depends what he wants to do and how he wants to set the team out. If he wants to have a, a one of the full-backs pushing on, the Colbert could do that, or Dusina could do that. Um but equally, Larson could come into the centre and 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 do what what Key's been doing. Interesting. Know what you think, Gareth? Because you're not the you're not the biggest fan of Gardner in midfield. But he's going to be playing there without Key. You would have thought, isn't he? So what would what would be the three man midfield you would have? Um, or would you have a mid three man midfield? No, I'm assuming I'd def- would I'd you? definitely have a three man midfield. Um, whew, I think I'd, I'd be I'd be tempted to bring in um, just bring in Callback for a uh, key. And then just and put play Desena. If he's if Desena's fit, then I'd play him because he's a left back. So and and Kovac's probably the closest thing he's going to get the replacing key if you if he wants to keep that yeah. consistency. Um, I don't think Kovac uh, obviously isn't as incisive a passer from that position as Key because if he was, then he'd be he'd have been playing there um, probably um, because he would be be influencing the game more from there. But. Um, yeah, I'd like to see the callback, and you know, fair enough. Gardner should keep his place based on his performances in the last few games. Even though, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not his biggest fan, but you've got to give him you've got to give him credit for for the uh, for the Man United game in particular. I think. Any opposing views on that team selection, Chris? Um, to be to be honest, no. I mean, I I haven't really seen enough of the scene, obviously, uh, to make a judgment, but. I suppose if he is if he is fit, you know, like we say, we sh- we need to play people in the right positions. You know, we've done it for years now, and it's obviously not getting us anywhere uh, when we play them out of position. So, you know, call call back steady. You know, he's he's not going to set the world on fire, um, but he's not. He's also he's not going to let you down. He's going to put his all in. And for me personally, if the alternative is Larson, I'd uh, much rather pick Jack Callback as I think Larson's. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. 
LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Had enough chances now and he just flatters to the sea for me. I think that, that could be applied to a lot of the players we've got, though. They've, they've yeah. all had a lot of chances, haven't they? And, Before know. these couple of games, I would have included Gardner in that as well, you know? Yeah, definitely, and then yeah. He's, he's turned up for a couple of weeks. So. And they, that means he'll let us down. He's got to say two, week, two weeks' time, I'll be cursing <laughs> him again. Yeah. I'm, happy, I'm happy, I've said, we've got a three-man midfield. It's why I paid at Birmingham. It's, it's, yeah. it's, I'm, I'm comfortable with him there. Goal threat. I mean, he does enough for me. I've, I've said before, he's his biggest critic at a two-man midfield and a three-man midfield. I'm happy with him there, Andy. You don't, you mean you don't know that Poyer could be the kind of manager who can bring the best out of players that other managers haven't done. Gardner could be one of them. There could be one or two others that mm-hmm. you know turn into. It sounds like diamonds. he's a coach as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Rather than just a manager, he yeah. likes to coach. He likes to coach players, which is I think encouraging. He's very, very hands-on with the, throughout the whole of the coaching. Yeah. So convinced with Gardner still Gareth? No, but did you see Gardner's tweet today? Yes, I was going to bring that up. I'm glad, loved, you, I'm he glad loved, you mentioned he it. Loved, enjoy training today. He was saying he loved it, and it was hashtag, hashtag football, 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 football. football. Mm. Ah, very interesting, and isn't it? Callback's been, mm. callback's been saying um, some bits and bobs um, about uh, the way we've, we're, the, we're not we're not going to be used to playing the way yeah. that we're going to play. So he's obviously straight away. Trying to try to implement it, which is weird because he did say when he came in, "Oh, it'd be silly to change it straight away." Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe he's just, you know, you've got to. You've got. You've got. I mean, I guess you've got to. He's getting that balance right, and I think that's funny because Decanio probably at the beginning did get an element of balance, and then he kind of fell off <laughs> the end of the cliff. I, I mean, with with regards to that, I'm interested to see kind of. See what the reaction is. See, you know, if things don't go according to plan, you know, we're playing some nice stuff and that, and then uh, we'll go one nil down. I mean, uh, from what Poyet's been saying, you know, he's going to keep with his philosophy. But I'm interested to see like how the players react because I mean, we all we've all seen it before. We'll play well for half an hour, concede a goal, and then it, it resorts to giving John yeah. O'Shea the ball to hoof it long. You know, and yeah. it's 
I'm in, I am interested to see if he can kind of change that sort of what what I think is quite a defeatist mentality in the squad. Yeah, I think we're gonna we are gonna go and speak to Gareth Vincent now, who speaks for the South Wales Even Post. Speaks for, speaks for, writes for. Um, <laughs> he's gonna be speaking for them today. He's gonna be yeah. representing them, you know, yeah. uh, representing South Wales. So South Wales represent. We, yeah, exactly. Let me hear you. We're gonna do that now in part three. <laughs> Later this year, we are joined by Gareth Vincent. Now, um, Gareth, you do realise uh, I'll say this, you know, in the nicest possible way that you probably clubs like Sunderland hate hate Swansea at the moment because um, we've spent millions upon millions every season and we just go up and down, up and down, up and down, and then Swansea come along, a relatively, I won't be disrespectful and say a small club, but maybe one with a, a much lower, um, smaller fan base than ours. And just almost do things sensibly and build up the correct way. Win a cup, qualify for Europe. What's happened? Yeah, well, it's, it's a it's a pretty good story, Swansea story over the last decade or so. As you say, they haven't um, they haven't thrown millions and millions at it. Although they are spending a bit more than they ever have done before these days. But um, I think it's been uh, a case appointing a number of good managers. Uh, over the last decade, it was only 2003 that if Swansea had lost to Hull City on the last game, last day of the season, they would have been relegated out of the football league. So ten years on, and, and as you say, they're now playing European football. It's, it's been an amazing rise, but I say they've, they've, they've made a number of shrewd appointments. Um, as far as the managers have gone, they've made some really clever signings over the years, and they've, they've certainly since Roberto Martinez is the manager, they've they've had this this footballing philosophy this, you know the game is based on possession and keeping the ball and passing the ball mm-hmm. and, uh, and and I think that really has been the key to the success they've had that's what's made them a bit different I think from a lot of teams certainly when they were coming up through the divisions and and uh, and even in the Premier League it's, it's so far in the, in the first two seasons at this level it's, it's served them really well mm-hmm. I think under Brendan Rodgers at times um, you know looking in as an outsider, sometimes it looked like there was a little bit of an end product missing there. But would it be fair to say that Brian Laudrup's change last season and he sort of balanced it out a little bit more? He certainly hasn't made you direct like say Stoke under under Pulis, but you're still playing possession football. But you've just toned it down a little bit. Would that be fair? Yeah, I, th- I certainly take your point. Yeah, I think Laudrup is is. is Maybe keener than Brendan Rodgers was to to work the ball into the final third a bit a bit quicker, you know. Um, I think you're right about that. That Brendan Rodgers didn't mind keeping the ball at the back and and trying to pass the life out of things. But certainly Laudrup is similar, and and it's all about keeping the ball. But as you say, they do try to to work it forward a bit quicker and and create a few chances. And I think the you know the big thing is probably uh, in terms of attacking threat is that he signed Michu, uh which was mm-hmm. I think you know uh, most fans of any club would say is is uh, certainly one of the great recent signings in the yeah, Premier League absolutely. based on what he's done so far for for 2.2 million Swansea got him for which is is amazing really when you when mm-hmm. you see what he's done uh, they've now added Wilfred Boney who who started it started well but maybe he's still getting used to life in the Premier League and life at a new club and 
I think probably we haven't seen the best of him yet, but but with Boney when he plays and, and meets you, <coughs> excuse me, um, Swansea do probably carry more threat than they they did in the in the Brendan Rodgers era when when well Danny Graham was the the main man hmm. in terms of goals in the in the Premier League season under Rodgers, along with Scott Sinclair who who did so brilliantly in the Championship for Swansea to get him into the Premier League in the first place. And and, and Danny Graham, although some Sunderland fans might might find it hard to believe did do did do very well for Swansea he under did. Rogers in the in the one year he had playing mm. under him and then initially it looked like he would he would do well under Michael Laudrup as well but uh, very quickly it became clear I think mm, I said Brian Laudrup earlier to Michael Laudrup preferred to go with Michu up front and and hence Danny Graham got sidelined and, and ended up going to Sunderland mm-hmm. Gareth Barker, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 good in, in in a way that we'll keep going back to Poyet. So he's going to introduce things slowly, I suppose. When you're playing Swansea away, you've got no choice because if you're going to go and if you're trying to implement a possession game, it's not ideal your first game trying to do that at a side to go to a side who are better at it, significantly better than you at it, and try and implement it. Is it? No, um, I think the the issue will be there is the the high pressing that Swansea do. Do high press in the in tight areas, don't they? Like if you, it's that sort of Barcelona philosophy thing, isn't it? It's like you've got five seconds to get the ball back once you're giving it away. So I think that'll be the the playing under pressure will be it'll be the the key, um, and that, that's something I think we'll we'll have to we'll we'll have to do. Um, but I think it's about confidence. Is Campoyet uh, give us that confidence on the ball to 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 play to the the ability that they've got some of them and. So they can pass it. They they are composed, um, but when the pressure's on, it, it it can be tough. But he said he's gonna he wants to go for the win, Paul. Yet that that's that's what I was reading. And I know a few Brighton fans have talked about settling for points and stuff like that in some games. But he said that he you know it almost said the points no good to us at the weekend. Then we want to win. Um, so. It'll be interesting to see what he does. Do you think the Poyet factor comes into it for you, Gareth? Because uh, a new manager, a new club, tends to get a lift out of players. Is that something you are concerned about? Uh, well, I think absolutely. Swansea will be aware of that, you know. And probably, if they'd had their way, Bicanio would still be in charge, I guess. And uh, who knows what would have happened? You guys would know better than me whether the Sunderland struggles would have continued. But certainly, the, the, the fact that um, the fact that there's a a new manager in is uh, we've seen it hundreds of times, haven't we? It tends to have a, a positive effect on teams, not always. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's got to be a boost. You would think Sunderland. Uh, it's, it's clearly a big game for 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 you guys because mm-hmm. of the because of the lack of points you've got so far this season. Um, but I would say it's a big game as well. It's a long time since Swansea have won. Yeah, it. I was going to say about seven or eight yeah. games. Is it? Yeah, I think it's eight. I think it's eight league games since they they won at home, which which is 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 a poor poor run. I mean, when you look at who they've played and some of those games were at the end of last season when when there wasn't a lot to play for, you know. So I'm sure uh, Loudrop would point to that. Um, this season they've had an extremely difficult start at home. Uh, Man United, uh, Liverpool, and Arsenal have been the three visitors so far. So. Um, you know, Swansea will be looking at Sunderland with all respect, but a mm. team who aren't one of the, you know, yeah. one of the top six contenders, you wouldn't think. Uh, this will be a, a game that that they're looking to win, so it's it's a big game for both sides. Mm-hmm. Andy, 
two ways of looking at this. Swans, you haven't won at home in yonks. So those records tend to get broken against Sunderland normally. <laughs> but on the other hand, it should be not listen, this this should be an incentive to the Sunderland players as well. Shouldn't it? First game you're trying to impress a manager, you're also saying, Come on, look, you're going to a side who who haven't won at home in a long time. They're bound it's bound to be a little psychological problem for them, subconsciously, the Swansea players. It's a ch- it's a chance to go and express themselves, stake a claim. Well, there is this there's, there's also the fact that Swansea aren't gonna have any idea whatsoever how we're gonna play. Yeah. So they're not going to be able to kind of brief their players on how we're going to be set up, the style of player that we're going to mm-hmm. deploy. So there's the element of surprise there as well. So that could work in our mm-hmm. favour as well. Because I know you, I know you're a huge fan of De Canio, um, but when he <laughs> when he first uh, when he first came, he, he we played well at Chelsea. We got a win at Newcastle because I think it was down to a lot of that was down to that, wasn't it? That the sides didn't know how we were going to set up. And there was that, and there was that thing of the initial lift of a new man coming in. You know, mm-hmm. De Canio came in, said all the right things initially. It rubbed off on the players. We got the great win at Newcastle, um, but long term, I say long term. It was only a few months. Um, <laughs> it, Four games. It all, yeah, it all sort of fell apart quite quickly. Mm-hmm. So, Gareth uh, Vincent, is there a particular weakness? Uh, is there a you know a, a chunk and clon- uh, Swansea's armour that Sunderland could maybe capitalise on? What have they been conceding goals? How have they been losing the games? Have been losing. Well, I mean. Uh, it's difficult to pinpoint. I think one thing uh, probably that I'm sure Gus Poet will be aware of is the potential uh, absence of Ashley Williams. He's he's missed a number of games of late, and and there's no doubt that he is a is a key figure for Swansea. He's not he's not been ruled out yet. He's a, um, yeah, whether he's going to play is, is certainly in doubt at this stage. He's the the captain, the the big central defender, the, sort of the the anchor of Swansea's defence, and one of their most consistent players. So. So if he's not around, then then it's a big challenge. It'll probably be well, it will be cheaper. Flores, his regular partner, and and probably uh, a young Spanish player they brought in this summer, Jordi Amat, who's who's just feeling his way really in the Premier League. So so maybe that will be an area Sunderland will, will look to expose Swansea. Mm-hmm. Going back to Sunderland, Chris. Um, Poyet keeps talking about the importance of having you know, not conceding as many goals. He wants to stop stop the goals from going in. So. We touched on the on the point earlier. For that, he needs a settled back four, doesn't he? So, who in your mind? We've touched on O'Shea at the start there. Is this the start of the settled back four? Who would you go for? Who would you pick? I think it certainly should be. I mean, like I was saying before, you, you can't you can't expect. I mean, I'm not one of, for example, Westwood. I'm not his biggest fan, but I do sympathise with him in the fact that he lines up every game, not knowing who's going to be in front of him. You know, it doesn't breed confidence in that. So. I mean, I, I would give O'Shea a go. You know, I think he will be. He is largely solid, apart from the odd glaring mistake. <laughs> um, and and I think I think Roberge has to be in with a shout. I mean, Queller um, puts in some pretty impressive uh, late challenges, but I, I do wonder how he gets himself into those uh, positions quite mm. so often. Recovering tackles, you've always got to wonder about, haven't you? But yeah, Phil you... Barzi was a king at them. Gareth Roberge is. He's, he's came on a lot, hasn't he? If you're going back to that Fulham game, he, because he he looked okay on the ball initially, anyway. But we were worried about the physic the physical side of things. Mm-hmm. And against Man United, he was good, wasn't he? Yeah, I thought. I think he he's been very good in. Say MK Dons, he was a bit shaky, but after that, um, yeah, he's he's been pretty good. I think I think he deserves deserves to get a run in the side now. I think uh, he's he's come out, been in and out, and he's. When he's gone out and come back in, he's he's proven himself, I think. So yeah, I'm, and I'm happy to have him in from his distribution ability as well. And I think he's, a, I think he looks a 
he could be a bit of a mm. bit of a fine, you know. I think if he settles, I just I just got a feeling about him. I think he's if, just got something if, about him. If Desena comes in, Andy, this like we've just said there, he is going to have to have a settled back four. So I suppose in that, you know in that respect, it is a good game for Desena to come in if you want to start straight away. You know this is going to be our settled back four. So. If we're going to think Desena is going to come in, would you then stick with John O'Shea because you don't want to be trying to ease the to keep in kind of thing? Who would you be your your, your centre half? One of them would have to be John O'Shea for me. I wouldn't I wouldn't be putting um, Daikiti and uh, Roberge together. It's it's too much to try and get them to settle together. I think in a team that's not playing well, uh, so O'Shea would have to be in there. As regarding the full backs. Um, I mean, it depends on how he wants to play. If he wants to have one of his full-backs bombing on and one of them kind of sitting, he might have Slutska as the one to go forward. And then somewhere in the left-hand side that doesn't go forward quite so much. Mm. I, like, I think, I mean, if the Senna plays, he's going to be the one who will get forward. But the thing yeah. I like about Slutska is he can do both, Gareth Connor. He can he can, yeah. he can, can go forward, but he's, he's a, first and foremost, he's a good, solid defender, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, I think he's a good player, and I think we'll look a better team with him in it. Um, so... He can do. I I I agree with Andy's saying. You know, um, about Slusker getting forward, but you know, you don't. Know, maybe he'll have them all both bombing on if he if they play. Um, I think it would be silly to restrict to saying if him playing his natural game if he gets forward if that's what he does. Um, but you just have to make sure that you've got someone who can drop in and and cover. Mm-hmm. Gareth Vincent, how confident are you ahead of the game? Uh, well, it's a difficult one, as you as you boys have pointed out. You know, we're all wondering how Sunderland are going to get on under Puyat. Um Will he have? Will he get an instant reaction? And uh, I mean, looking on from afar, I'm surprised Sunderland are not going better than they are with the players they've got. Um, although, obviously, there's been lots and lots of changes and and lots of lots of players who are, are new to the Premier League. So I guess it was always going to be. Um, difficult for everybody to settle in. Uh, you guys just saying there that you, you're not sure on who might be in the back four. You know, I guess it's going to take time to to bed down. Um, Swansea at home. We mentioned the, the 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 run of results without a win, but as I said, they've played a lot of big teams, and they although they haven't had a brilliant start to the season in the Premier League, that you know they're playing okay. They're not. They haven't been far off in any games, so. Even the games they've lost, um, so I think they'll be pretty confident. It will depend a little bit on on uh, the international boys coming back this week. Michio, obviously, we mentioned is a is a huge player, and uh, whether he comes back ship shape after after making his debut for Spain, and uh, Wilfred Boney's been around the world. Um, Michel Vaughan, the goalkeeper, is away with Holland, so you know some influential figures. Uh, Ashley Williams, as I say, could be a big miss, but. But there's good news for Swansea in Ben Davis, I think, despite uh, not playing for Wales, is is looking good to to figure at the weekend. I think the left back who's who's done really well. So, yeah, I mean, Swansea are going to be optimistic, but they always are when they play at home. Even when they play the the top sides, they believe they can get results, and uh, they, they've proved they can over the last couple of years. So, this one, um, uh, they'll be feeling you know quietly confident, I would think. But I mean, that they've got to perform because. Uh, you know, in the Premier League, uh, if you're not close to your best when you're a, when you're a club like Swansea, you, you don't win games. And what was the your reaction to Key being allowed to leave and come here? Were you surprised? What kind of player do you think we've got? Yeah, I was. I think there was a little bit of surprise because he only came to Swansea a, a year ago, and 
and they paid big money in Swansea terms to, to get him here in the first place. And, and he was, uh, you know, he, he played. I can't remember exactly, but I think forty odd games, nearly forty games last season. And and uh, although he, he didn't have a spectacular impact, he was he was he was solid and reliable. And you know, he he, he wasn't huge disappointment by any stretch. So uh, it was a little surprising that he's moved on. Um, having said that, Swansea have got. Uh, central midfield is their probably their strongest department, and that, I think that's why they let him go because there's uh, Leon Britton, uh, Jonathan de Guzman, uh, Jose Canas, and, and John Joe Shelby were four other players who were all fighting for the sort of two central midfield spots. So that's why I let him go. But but from what we saw of Key last year, I think he'll he'll do well for um, for Sunderland, and mm-hmm. I, I think you know he's still relatively young. He's only had a year playing Premier League football, and uh, personally, I think he'll he'll probably improve. Sort of, we haven't seen the best of him yet. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether whether he does end up coming back to the Liberty next year, or, or who knows what will happen. Will he end up at Sunderland on a full time basis, or, or moving on somewhere else? But but yeah, it was a bit of a surprise that, that he went, and I, I think he'll go pretty well at Sunderland. Mm-hmm. Good to hear. I don't get Leon Britton. I never have done. Before I let you go, <laughs> I'm um, I'm gonna. Get a prediction from everybody. So, Gareth Vincent, start with you. Prediction for the game? Scoreline? Well, yeah, I'm afraid I'm going to have to go with the Swansea win. They're in need of a victory. and um, uh, uh, They haven't won since the Greek Newcastle back at the start of March um, at home in a league game. And um, I don't think I think it'll be a tight game. I can't see there being much in it, but I would back Swansea to edge it. Gareth Barker? I think Sunderland and win because have to eventually so <laughs> law of averages yeah law of averages dictates that Sunderland will win the game so we're just gonna it's hope more than anything so <laughs> to be honest but come on please remember what Amy Lawrence told us don't be so don't be so pessimistic come just on. win the game Positive. just give me a weekend that isn't miserable for you know 36 hours of it would be nice well you got married Andy <laughs> <laughs> you're getting married soon so you'll be joining us <laughs> um I'd I'd be delighted with the draw. Um, I'd love us to edge it, maybe by two goals to one, but I'll, I'll go for one apiece. Chris, um, I think we'll win two one. I can see a uh, Yosi getting on the score sheet. Right, positive vibes. That's what I like. I'd see a ones each as well. But Gareth Finson, thanks for coming on. No worries, lads. All the best. Okay, speak so. Cheers now. <laughs> on the question of the week I like to think it's it's Gareth's it's Gareth's baby but I'm happy with it it's going well it's really original <laughs> idea that has never been done on no, any podcast before not. it's groundbreaking so. it's groundbreaking stuff uh, before we do that Andy I want to just get your general opinion on, on Poyet's appointment I suppose because as most people probably know you were, you were very anti De Canio you were very vocal against him in the first place and I know I know you did mention at first the, the political thing as well but more than anything, you weren't happy with, you know, why you wondered why he was qualified for the job in the first place. So, in relation to that, how are we with Poyet? And you must be happy now that Canio's finally gone. Yeah, I'm delighted that Canio's gone. I didn't think it was a, 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 a sane appointment at any at any time, really. The political thing really fell fell away quite quickly. It was just the fact that the guy had had one season in League Two, and uh, that was basically it. And, and he was a notorious nut job. <laughs> um, I, I, I couldn't see how it was going to work out with Poyet I'm, I'm enthusiastic and I'm positive 
which I generally usually am with Sunderland managers. I'm, I'm almost um, to the point of delusion. I always think, <laughs> I whoever, think we all are. Whoever, whoever the home that keeps in, you going. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, whoever comes in is going to be the next Messiah. We've, we've had it so many times. I didn't think that for a second with De Canio. Um, but with Poyet, I think he's, he's he's got this reputation as, as being a player's coach. He's um, he's progressed at Brighton quite nicely over three and a half years there. Um, you know he's 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 operated in the Premier League before as a player and as a, an assistant manager at Spurs. So, you know he's he's got the the credentials, credentials that I yeah. never thought De Canio had. So I'm 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 looking forward to it. See what he does. Um, I think we need to give him time. But um, you know all hail Gus Poyet mm-hmm. with a with a hard T on the end of his surname. Yeah, Poyet. <laughs> I'm going to ask him next time I get a chance to interview. I'm going to ask him about your parents' your second name. Chris, um, any thoughts? On Poyet. 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 I'm going to say, I'm going to call him. We've done, we done a, a, all the Rock Report writers, we all done a, a prediction at the beginning of the season. Chris, did you predict you thought De Canio won last season? Is that right? Uh, I think so. I, I think I you mean, did. I'm Unless it was one of the other lads. I'm sure it was you. I'm sure it was you. I mean, I must admit, at the, at the time when De Canio was appointed, first of all, I went straight to the pub, and second of all, I, uh, you do that anyway, don't well, you? Well, exactly. That's what I don't know why I really mentioned that to be honest. But, uh, no, I mean, I just when I saw the, the point of him at first, I thought, well, perhaps it's just the end of the season. When I saw it was for two and a half years, I instantly said, you know, that's it's never going to last. Like you could, you could tell. I mean, I'm amazed he lasted till the end of the season, really. But um, I'm, I was, I, mean, I was willing to give him a chance. But I think the thing with him on the pitch at West Brom just kind of summed it up for me. He was kind of. I, for me, the thing that really irritated, not just aside from the fact he couldn't pick his a settled team, uh, was just that it always had to be about him, you know. And uh, Poyet, the most enthusiastic Poyet. thing about Poyet, you know, <laughs> honestly. You know, see, what I was going to say was the, the best thing about him is he hasn't re- referred to himself in the third person yet, but uh, I wish he would so we could get this sorted out. But um, <laughs> he, he, to me, he kind of, he did, I did wonder a bit when he seemed to be touting himself for the job. I, I found that a bit of a strange move, but from a footballing point of view, mm. um, I never thought the desperation thing was a bad thing. Personally, I think it's somebody, ambition. somebody keen, yeah, somebody keen yeah. for the job, somebody keen for the job. But Gareth's not so sure. But we, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get on the the question of the week now, and I'm going to hand over to the reliable Gareth Bog. The reliable, reliable, wasn't reliable. Last first word that came in my head. No, you weren't. Yeah, I forgot to cut the beginning off. <laughs> Yeah, so the question of the week this week was uh, the hot topic of Phil Bardsley. Trying a bit, a bit of light-heartedness to it um, without coming across sounding like talk sport or one of those types of uh, media outlets, apparently. Um, yeah, so the question was regarding Phil Bardsley. Um, what would Phil Bardsley have to do for you to let him back into your heart? Um, because, let's be fair to Phil, he had uh, a, a decent uh, spell at Sunderland, um, he came back quite well from his uh, had a bit of dipping form, went away to Lily Shaw in the summer holidays, and uh, came back and got player of the season. He has tailed off as a footballer, and he's let himself down. But um, and I think a lot of Sunderland fans would rightly say that they don't want him anymore. But what would he have to do? And uh, I've got some lovely music to accompany this week. Oh, I like it. Yeah. So then. Stephen Wright, not that Stephen Wright, not the one who got elbowed in the face off uh, Edgar Davids, said, uh, give me half his wages for all the next season. Sean Carr, spend some time in the stocks. Steve Tweddle, just leave, capital letters. (laughs) Alex Lee, the obvious answer is to score the winner against the Mags. 
that tends to solve most crimes. It certainly does. Scott Young, take the can- take on De Canio in a boxing match. Got Neil Emsley, said sign for the mags, quite <laughs> liked. Uh, Stephen Dixon said uh, talk Cessant to coming back to Sunderland and then he can go away, in a rude word. Uh, Richard James Purden said, he, you know, this is a bit strange, but I'd like to see a will-they-won't-they chase the airport where he issues a heartfelt apology to De Canio as he boards the plane. Um, we're getting to the top three territory now, so um, Will said, uh, if he came and dug my privates out my front garden, then kindly cancel his contract. I'd forgive. Mark Triggs, Bardsley must joust, joust. Only in victory can he win my heart. Lose and he will be banished to the lair of the horse punchers. <laughs> and I think the winner this week was um, Michael Paul, who said, uh, score against the mags, then remove Pardew's heart, Temple of Doom style in the centre circle, and stop being a gentleman's area. Um, that, that's the uh, abridged version of that. <laughs> Um, so nothing yeah, from, nothing from the Rock Report lads as well. Um, well, he got one here. No, there wasn't. It wasn't actually. <laughs> Disappointed. We're, we're coming to the boys. end of the music now. I'm looking at Burley, and it's it's ticking away. So, Stephen, I'd like to see him go on the Jeremy Kyle show and explain his actions and uh, do a heartfelt <laughs> apology because he comes across a bit charvery. Um, so he we would fit right in. He's the right sort of clientele for that show. And to sum it all up, he'd have to finish by taking a lie detector test to see if tell us if he was really sorry or not. Okay. Chris? Uh, I think my me, me thunder's been a bit stolen, really. Um, and then I, I was going to I was gonna go for, he could go undercover. He could sign for the mags, you know, <laughs> all this pretense of him, like, really hating us, you know. Yeah. Give the old Darren Bent lines about how, like, this is a massive club and that. And then uh, wait until the derby and score a hat-trick of own goals. Someone had a similar one on that on Twitter, actually, so, you know. Well, if he did that, I might be able to look him in the eye. <laughs> Fair enough. Andy, I'm expecting big things. Mm, yeah, well, like like Stephen Fletcher, he's uh, he's he's a very Scottish man, isn't he, Phil Bardsley? <laughs> um, so I'd I'd like to see him volunteer to be put into a, a medically induced coma and u- used <laughs> for spare parts for Stephen Fletcher. <laughs> obviously, with them both being Scottish, they'd be compatible, wouldn't they? That's mm. a good point. He definitely so, wouldn't get a game back for then. Yeah, and uh, mine was uh, actually I had the same as ALS. I was trying to channel a open top bus crack from last week so I was just saying just Bardsley just take us round the town on the open top bus um, and throwing money uh, to the general public um, just anybody or, or, just or singling people out um, the, the, the one uh, who would be the recipients? the one he abused on Insta- like sort of half abused on Instagram by accident and um, the inspired by our conversation beforehand I think he could do with taking all of us for a four meat carvery at the barns <laughs> and I think or oh, another carvery. Other carveries are available. Um, carvery. So um, yeah. So if you took us all for a carvery, I think would we be all right with that? Uh, well, mm. that and the medically induced coma. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, okay. going with, I'm going with Andy's. I'm going with Andy's. I'm yeah. happy with that. Okay. So I think Andy's the winner, um, even though it was the most violent, um, which is something I try and stay away from. But. Yeah. Um, well done. You can lighten up every now and again. Nobody didn't swear when he said it. To be fair, no, he there was didn't. no, you know, there was no bang. obscene words. And that, um, that's that. So yeah, we'll come up with a. If you've got any ideas for question of the week, um, email them to me or send them a, send them in a tweet um, because I'm running out of material <laughs> very quickly. Week two. Uh, we get the sports. We get the week sports three. bite lads involved soon, and yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll force yeah. that on them. That could be their task. There you go. That's yeah. done. Done. Done and dusted. Yeah. Right. Okay. 
Swansea, it's going to start. Positive thoughts, positive thoughts, at least a point, and hopefully we'll have a win to talk about. Probably something like only the third league win since mm. Gareth and I started this. Don't have nightmares about it though, people. Over and out. <laughs> Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.